Hey, this is Zach. And Greg. Welcome back to the Harvest Gate Podcast. This week, we're getting personal. At least personal with one person. This is the first in a series of episodes for you to meet the team. We'll be interviewing and chatting with members of our team to learn more about them, their background, their relationship with both Harvest Gate and Jesus, and much, much more. So through these episodes, we hope that you can get a better sense of who we are and why we are so passionate about Harvestgate, but it is my pleasure to introduce Greg Jersick. Hey, longtime listener, uh, first time caller. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, <laughs> this kind of feels backwards. It does. Uh, so we have a lot of talk to uh, to talk about today. Uh, before we dig into your story, um, let me ask you this first: What is your relationship with coffee? Well, we are all a coffee house, aren't we, um, as well. So I, my relationship with coffee, and I think you and I talked about this a little bit in a previous episode, but uh, my relationship with coffee is one of codependence. Uh, I need my coffee. Uh, I have exactly the same amount of coffee at exactly the same time every single day, seven days a week. Uh, we brew it in the pot at night. I uh, put it in the fridge overnight so that it's ice cold in the morning. And as I said previously, not watered down with ice. So just cold coffee. And then I think you turned us on to Italian sweet cream for creamer, which is pretty sweet. And then we go for stevia to yeah. sweeten it up a little bit more. So Yeah, and, and the coffee that I think we probably do at home is not uh, snobbery coffee. Certainly not for for me. Like it's in coffee terms, it's drip. Yeah. So we're keeping can, it simple. I can be a coffee snob, but if if I'm just being honest, a lot of times I just I'm like a regular Joe, no pun intended, or pun intended. I think I there know. was a pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, so where did you grow up, and where are you from originally, Greg? Well, I grew up in Westerville, Ohio. So, and that's where I'm also originally from. I lived in Westerville in the same house with my parents uh, for about 19 years, I want to say. So very much rooted in the suburbs of Columbus. For anyone who doesn't know, Westerville's on the northeast side. Um, All kinds of fun stuff going on there. Miss Westerville. Yeah. Um, and we'll get a chance to meet your wife later through one of these episodes, but how did you and Emily meet? Uh, so it would have been around the time that I moved away from home. When I was 19, I went to, uh, Central Ohio Technical College here in Newark for my associate's degree in digital media design. And in one of my, one of my first classes, maybe in the first year, uh, I was taking maybe, uh... Uh, I don't think it was graphic design history. It might have been. That's that class some, sounds really boring. If I'm, <laughs> um, it, it could have been more interesting. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think that that was the class, but I don't remember which one it was that I was in with her. But I. I remember, like, and her and I have talked about it since. She noticed me like very early on in one of the first classes, and I had a couple friends in the class, so I wasn't really paying attention, I guess, to who else was in the class. But one day I was sitting next to uh, uh, who, two people who are still my very good friends, Amy and Adam, uh, who are married and live not far from here. Um, and I had always sat next to them. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go sit next to that girl today. And just to put a date on this or to make it feel even more dated, uh, 
I sat down and we started making a little bit of small talk. And then the easiest way to continue to communicate during class was to use MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. See, for a moment, I thought you were going to say AIM Messenger or... No, that would have been like the girls that I was into in like middle school or high school. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't quite that. that. And uh, you have a son together? Yep, Eli, who's going to turn five in a little under two months. Awesome. Yeah, so um, now talking about digital media design, mm -hmm. uh, you also are a big gamer, and oh, you yeah. are also working on your own project right now, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit when I have time, um, when I've got the free time, and uh, I won't get, I guess, too in-depth on that because I could probably talk about it for hours and hours, but it's definitely a, a passion project on the side, and uh, I've always, I've been into gaming maybe since middle school, uh, played some games with close friends of mine, uh, you know, when we first got dial-up, if we're going to, again, let's let's put dates on it, I'm feeling older every second that we talk about it, Um <laughs> Which a little fun fact, Greg and I, I am one day older than Greg. He was born June 10th. I was born June 9th of the same year. So, mm -hmm. uh, so And we, you definitely never bring it up or rub it in that you're one day older. I am one day older. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I big gamer, have always loved playing games and would, would go down to my friend Dan's house to play uh, this really old game that came out in I think 1997 called Ultima Online. Uh, he had dial-up, one computer at home, and as long as his sister wasn't on the phone with some boy, we could play that game on the internet. So that awesome. was pretty uh, pretty exciting and then, like, intermittently aggravating when you get that dial tone for AOL. So give, like, a 30-second uh, promo of your project that you're working on. Uh, so the game is called A Universe Away. It is a space-based um, solar system exploration I, I don't even solar system is not the right scale it's a uh, universe long exploration adventure kind of thing it's you know super uh super low budget but super fun to work on and uh, we're just trying to put a lot of detail into things about the story and you know how you get stranded and why you're on this sort of journey so it's been a lot of fun to work on. Yeah, and one of the things I really love about you, Greg, is just how passionate you engage yourself in things uh, that you are passionate about. Uh, I've had you know the privilege to kind of see you come along, and you first started talking about the game, and I was like, oh, all right, cool. And then I saw how much you really uh, were pouring yourself into this game that you're working on. And we talked to you about Harvest Gate, and then you – uh, seems as though you fell in love with it and you've kind of poured yourself into this. And so one one of the many things that I love about you is that you're just incredibly passionate and you you pursue things with a great amount of passion and, and zeal. So um, that's something that Greg probably wouldn't tell you about himself, but I will tell you about. <laughs> uh, so, so Greg, uh, we're going to get a little more personal here. Um, how if at all, were you involved with church either as a kid or as a teenager, or did you have any involvement at all? So I would have started going to church almost, you know, immediately as a, as a young child, my parents took me to, uh, uh, Liberty Presbyterian church, which was just North of Columbus, uh, 23, uh, Liberty township along Olentangy river road or, uh, yeah, like right along the river. And, um, I think I was baptized probably when I was like a couple months old 
And uh, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, and the same uh, gentleman who baptized me there, David Redding, uh, who was the pastor there, I guess reverend would be correct terminology, uh, also officiated Emily and I's wedding. So shout out uh, to David Redding. I always really liked listening to his, his sermons were sort of like stories. And the story always had a sort of underlying message or uh, you know, takeaway that you would get that was, I think, teaching you without you realizing it. And I think that was one thing that he was really good at was, you know, telling these detailed stories where you kind of got really into it. And then at the end, you would realize you accidentally learned something about how to treat people or, you know, how, uh, how to interact with others or something like that. So it was really cool. Um, that sounds but, like a very Jesus way of, of teaching. Jesus taught through stories and parables, and that was right. Uh, and, you know, as as humans, we love story, and I think it's great when we get to engage in 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 God's story, and then uh, just through interacting with one another, we get to engage in one another's stories. So right. So after uh, attending. Mm-hmm you know, Liberty Presbyterian Church for a long time. And I just went with my parents on Sundays. I didn't, I wasn't like super into it. And obviously as a kid, you know, like there's always a feeling of like my parents are making me go here. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm just going through the motions and every now and then I would accidentally pay attention and maybe learn something, which is about right with my personality. I have a hard time paying attention to lots of things. Um, uh, but then around you know, high school, I stopped going to churches regularly on Sundays, but I did get connected through a a youth group at a church. The ironic part is how I got connected to it because I wasn't a terribly well-behaved teenager, as most teenagers aren't. And I actually had a, let's call it a mild run-in with the Westerville Police Department. (laughs) And their, uh, their strong encouragement of doing some community service to attain for my misbehavior, (laughs) uh, sort of led me to like, well, uh, there's this church that needs some help building this addition and they just want some teenager to carry some cinder blocks around. So I learned my lesson over there and I actually met some cool people and I attended that, uh, youth group that was at, I don't know if I remember the name, but I know it was a Nazarene church. It was really close to Westerville South in Westerville might've been Westerville church of the Nazarene. Sounds like a, a decent guess. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and I was probably at at any point in my life that I was really into church, it was probably while I was there, but it was only about a year and a half. And then I think some of the people that I went there with stopped going and, you know, as it often happens with teenagers or with young people, if, you know, you don't have a, if you're not surrounded by a group of people that you're engaged with there, you kind of stop going. So. So you have disengaged from the church uh, a little bit. And it, it, not that you're anti-church or anything like that that, mm-hmm. that I gather, but you've disengaged from the church. Can you maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's really a, like an intentional way that it happened. It wasn't like a conscious decision. I think I just sort of... Stopped going. I had a lot of other stuff going on. I was, you know, in college. I was chasing Emily around. She went to school up in Cleveland, so I spent most of my time, you know, on the weekend driving 
round trip four hours up to Cleveland to visit her for a, a little bit while we were dating. We had a long distance relationship for about two and a half years. Um, and obviously that worked out fine. No complaints. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the opposite of complaints, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad with how it worked out. Um, but I don't know. The my I think my connection to the church just kind of uh, was maybe uh, it, it just wasn't a priority. You know, I had other stuff going on that I was like when we first got married, the like we didn't have any money. The focus was got to get a job. Literally anything will do. It was uh, we got married in 2010, early 2010. Uh, so our 10 year anniversary is in a couple months. And when we bought our house in like December of 2009, this was like right after the financial crisis. And so that was really the most, you know, forefront of our minds at all times was how do we make enough money to keep a roof over our head, uh, to keep a roof over our dog's heads. We lived in a not particularly nice neighborhood. And uh, there was a period of time where I was commuting almost an hour to Columbus to work a job at a laptop repair place on their front desk for like $8 an hour. So by the time you, you know, take gas to and from Columbus, well, I'm probably making like six bucks an hour or something. And I worked part time there. So I didn't even get 40 hours a week. I mean, it was uh, and I, I can't recall if Emily was working yet. And then there was a period of time that uh, or no, she would have been working at Napa, uh, you know, driving parts and stuff like that. So we we're just trying to make ends meet. And I think, you know, like for her, having grown up much more involved in church, I think she would lean on that to help her through those times. And I would sort of, I I always, I think, had a kind of resentful attitude, like, well, like, why has there got to be all this bad stuff going on? Like, God seems like he's got a lot of power. Couldn't he do something about it? Mm -hmm. It sort of adapted that kind of attitude, I think, in general. But I don't know how much of, like, when when Emily and I talk about uh, Jesus and, you know, why she believes in it and why I don't or something like that. Uh, the conversation inevitably shifts at one point to, well, have you, have I, me taken the time to read the Bible or try and learn about it? Not necessarily, but it's certainly like I haven't been exposed to, I think the, the core message of how it all works. So, you know, it's complicated. And I think for me, ultimately it boils down to the believing it, just like because you kind of have to have that leap of faith, right? They call it faith for a reason. It's true. Uh, and I have a hard time crossing over that line because I have a very sort of, uh, I think maybe excessively factual, logical way of looking at things. It's, you know, I don't, not that I always act logically <laughs> yeah. or, or based on fact, but uh, it's hard to describe. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who feels that way, but I think one of the things that I am thankful for in my relationship with church is that I seem to have come out the other side, maybe not a believer, but having picked up a lot of important values and uh, traits and things that I value, like kindness and compassion and empathy towards others, even when I, and you know, I maybe don't have like, you know, the, the, angel on my shoulder telling me that's the thing I should do, you know, but, but it feels like the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think 
speaking on, I don't know if I can actually do this, but speaking on behalf of the, of the church, one of the things that we have not done well is um, marrying faith and science. And um, uh, I, I believe that they are, they go hand in hand with one another. And I would, I, you know, we have the church persecuting Galileo because he said that the, you know, I th- Mm-hmm. I might have the wrong scientist here, but who said the world is not flat, it's actually round. Was that Galileo? I mean, I really like science, but <clears throat> I don't know. The I think that it's him. And, <laughs> uh, but, you know, or, or Copernicus, you know, uh, but the church persecuted many scientists and things like that. Yeah, and, because it, it seemed to contradict, you know, the message that they were sharing. And, and I am very much a science enthusiast, and I find science, especially stuff related to the universe and space and stuff incredibly interesting. And it did often feel like rather like, like you're saying, uh, church didn't do a good job of connecting to science and instead was sort of saying all the stuff that I looked at in science, like evolution or the big bang theory or things like that were, you know, it's just wrong, 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 bad, 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 bad. And I was always reading news stories about, you know, uh, you know, religious organizations or religious schools like preventing science being taught in school or, you know, they don't teach evolution at this Christian school or something. And it didn't seem right. Like if if there's something grounded in scientific method in determining whether it's, you know, proof or not, whether it can be proved to be uh, correct within the means that we have available – uh, science has been pretty reliable on that stuff. So it's, you know, obviously you can't prove everything. And if we could, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. Be a lot, be a lot more black and white, I suppose. Well, and, and maybe from, from our standpoint and ours being the, the Christian person, uh, I believe that everybody has faith. It's just a faith that is, you know, what is it in? Um, right. Uh, you know, talking of things like, uh, where the earth came from, where the world came from, was it God, was it Big Bang, was it, you know, some, you know, one of these things. The reality is, is we will never know. Probably not. Probably not. And to to lean on one side of that, uh, to lean towards one thing or the other, takes faith because, yep. you know. Um, and so, like, you know, I I appreciate your your honesty and your openness in that and I look for like I, I like the fact that we have a relationship with one another that we can talk about these things and not want to you know kill each other. Yeah, right. I mean, this is not unlike conversations we've had at River Road that we've talked about before. Uh, you know, sharing what we think about and how we feel about things. But you make a good point. Like I think if it's about taking a leap of faith or having faith in something, it feels easier to have faith in science because you have you know like you can look up the research and like there it is. And I think it's because. Uh, religion or and I'm generalizing obviously as someone who's not educated on any of it that uh, it's harder like if it were really easy to prove feels like everybody would be on board right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like if it was uh, uh, more uh, more clear or something I don't know yeah and you know one of these days, we'll have to sit down and have, maybe we'll have a podcast discussion where we just, for a lack of better words, spar back and forth about 
you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, again, I don't, I'm, I don't try to be a yeah. intentional objector or, you know, it's just kind of how, it's kind of where I've ended up. And yeah. it wasn't an intentional choice at any time where I said I, I'm choosing not to believe in Jesus or church or any of that because blank. I've just kind of, you know, ended up here. And it is, it is nice to feel comfortable talking about it because it is a topic that, like, you know, not, I'm certainly not throwing my family under the bus. I love my parents. I love my family. But these are topics that you wouldn't get into conversation about too often, you know, like what are the, you don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. There's probably something else in there. Money, maybe. Uh, and I'm I'm not good with managing money, so we probably should have talked about it more. But <laughs> thankfully, Emily, as you'll find out when she gets to do her Meet the Team episode, is a financial expert. So thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and so so moving along, uh, we've talked about this. I think maybe in the first episode we talked about briefly how we met. But um, what is your connection with Liz and I? How did how did we meet? Yeah, so we'll start at the beginning, and it has a fun tie-in with something we already talked about, which is gaming. Uh, and it goes back to first Emily attending <laughs> a ladies group that she still goes to. Uh, with some ladies here in town, uh, which is now right down the street from us at uh, at Crystal's house, which is cool. And uh, she met uh, a lady there named Amanda and her husband Kyle. Um, uh, they, you know, through the conversations that Emily and Amanda had, they kind of found out that we both played the same game, which uh, is called Ark Survival Evolved, and it's like a survival game where you wake up on like a deserted island. And there's a bunch of dinosaurs, and and eventually it gets much more complicated. But you know, it's a yeah. You were actually a, just playing that right before I came eh, over. Here. Maybe just a little bit, um, just a little bit, and uh, certainly not as much as I used to, which was way too much. So yeah. trying to trying to dial that back. Um, so I found out that Kyle played the same game, and so we we hooked up and you know played a little bit. He he played on the server that we ran and. Uh, and then come springtime, or I think maybe early summer, uh, community church where Amanda and Kyle attended, where of course you've been uh, for some time, uh, we're looking for additional people to help out the softball team. Emily used to play softball, asked if I would be interested in joining. I truthfully don't really like baseball or softball, yeah. but I well, was like, oh, shoot, I could and, use some and exercise. help out is kind of a relative term because. And I don't mean this as any bad speaking illy about anybody on our team, but as a team, we are horrible. I think. I think <laughs> we're the there last for the three love years, of the game. Yeah, you know? yeah, we're there for the love of the game, and just because we love one another. But yeah, I yep. mean, I think in the last three years, we've won three games total. So hey, maybe four. You know, the Cleveland Browns have built an empire around that exact it's sort true. of approach. So it's true. Uh, and I say that as somebody who doesn't know much about football. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so uh, we we came to play softball, and of course you were on the softball team, and you're actually quite good at softball, unlike myself. You know, I can connect with the bat. I'm happy if I get to the base, but then once I get to the base, I'm not really sure what to do. <laughs> base running is really confusing. Um, sometimes you run, sometimes you don't, whatever. Um, so uh, I think we were talking, you know, we chit-chatted, I think, at several games about this and that, and then towards the end of the season... I was, I don't even, I don't think I really recall how we got onto the topic of conversation, but I just mentioned like, 
you know, I'm just better at swinging a tennis racket than I am a baseball bat. And you're like, oh, you play tennis? Like, yeah, and I didn't realize that I was walking into a giant trap because <laughs> you were like a state champion tennis player. That's definitely overselling it. I did play varsity tennis in high school for a couple years. I was definitely not a state champion. Okay. And I was never close to the kind of physical condition you ought to be in <laughs> to be a state champion. But, uh, but you're but I, still really good at tennis. I think I'm decent. I haven't played in a long time. My my issue is not technique. It's uh, uh, fitness. <laughs> so, um, but we uh, we said, hey, you know, let's get together in the mornings. It's still decent weather, and it's you know sunny out. Like maybe before work on a Friday, and we'll play some tennis. Yeah, and we played tennis, and you destroyed me. Uh, um, I mean, if you put it that way, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so we met, and, uh, you know, once the weather changed, we started mm-hmm. uh, getting coffee and things like that. Um, and our relationship grew and flourished. And and I would say, like, our our relationship was good and is heading in a good direction. And then I would say where it really opened up, it seems, and I could be mistaken on this, is when Liz and I had you guys over for dinner and mm-hmm. we had uh, shared with you about Harvest Gate. Well, it wasn't the first time we had come over either. I mean, we no. had come over for dinner and hung out many times and uh, Eli's the same age as your kids and they just have a blast playing. They're playing right now yeah. uh, over at your house so that we can have no footsteps on the floor above us while we're talking. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so then you guys kind of introduced us to this project, Harvest Gate, and we got to you know go through the whole presentation with you and see what all of it was about. And I think Emily and I went home and talked about it afterwards. And I think I was obviously on board in terms of wanting to like support you guys as friends in any way I could. Uh, but I think she was really excited about it. She's like, this is really cool. I'm like, I, you know, I haven't seen a project like this before or what they're trying to do. It's different. It's, you know, like a lot of stuff that I think ha- where she's been and connected with a lot of different churches with their parents, like they seem to get really into a church. And then the more they learn about it, the more they're kind of losing that connection of like, is this church doing enough good for what's going on here for how much money they're getting or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a really cool to see like, okay, so this is going to be a self-sustaining situation that doesn't have a huge overhead, that doesn't have um, uh, so much kind of weight holding it down preventing it from doing more good and saying, how can we invest in the community and the people that really need it? Uh, and that's that's the stuff that also got me excited was like, I'm from Columbus, from the suburbs. I grew up running around to places all over Columbus. If it was, you know, downtown to Kosai or a show or something, or, you know, when I was 21 up and down High Street with friends or something. Uh, when I was in college, I went and did a a documentary down on high street for a school project filming and meeting a lot of homeless people down on high street. And it's so sad, the, the positions that they're in and they all have their own stories about how they got there. And some of them blame themselves and others blame their spouse that left them at the wrong time or the system that screwed them over or something. But the point is, regardless of how you got there, you know, we as a people, as humans, as Americans, as uh, 
you know, however you want to identify yourself, we have the resources and the capability to take care of these people. Why aren't we? You know, the only reason is a lack of will from the people with their hands on, you know, with the, the pens that can sign the right papers to make it happen. And that's just really disappointing. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is when when the church made a transition from what is essentially Judaism to what is now Christianity, um, they were talking about like, well, what laws, uh, like what, you know, Jewish laws should we hold on to? And there's some debate about it. And they're like, one thing that we know for sure, um, whether we're ministering to Jewish people or to Gentiles, is we all need to take care of the poor. Like, this is, you know, yeah. whether, whether you're going after the Jews or the Gentiles, let's, let's agree on this. Let's take care of the poor because they are in need of help and we are people who can help. And so... It's uh, one thing that I really cannot stand about a lot of stuff that I've seen on social media or that people are talking about in the last five, ten years is this idea that the poor are somehow happy with their situation and taking advantage of the system or something. And that, you know, the that term, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Man, if it were that simple, people would do it and they would be doing it more often. But it, it so often has so many more factors connected to it. You know, you can't imagine everyone's individual situation and how it's impacting them. And if we can do some good, again, like I don't have that uh, that religious or spiritual connection that's kind of driving how I feel about it, or at least not consciously. Uh, but I, I can imagine like introducing this idea to someone and saying like, Hey, you know, can you give $20 or something to support this project to take care of people who need it? Like, you know, you're already giving money that ought to be going to that through your taxes. And instead it's paying for all sorts of other things. Yeah. So what is it, Greg, that you bring to the team? How is it that you feel like you can help further the Harvestgate mission and helping to care for, you know, whether it's caring for people, um, like the population that you were just speaking of, or mm -hmm. uh, just helping the organization as a whole? Well, uh, this this feels like a reverse job interview. Like, well, here's the things that I'm already doing, boss. Uh, please continue to uh, let me do those things. Please don't call me boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I promised last time. Um, what do I bring to the team? Well, uh, I like to think that I'm good on a few things, and some are skills that I've developed at, at work um, and things like— That's a question that we haven't answered. Where is it that you work, and what is it that you do? So I work for Apple, uh, the— the large technology company with the fruit, um, and I'm a I'm a trainer by trade. So my job, and I also take like technical support phone calls. So I'm talking to people all the time, and I'm fixing technical issues, or I'm helping develop skills for people to fix technical issues. So that's most of my responsibility. Okay, so that gives a little con a little bit of context. So yeah, like. Uh, the different the different skills and stuff that I think I bring to the team. Some are around technology, whether it's you know editing this podcast, for example, uh, or setting up the equipment to make it work, which you know I had to teach myself to do because I hadn't done it before. Seems to be working so far. Okay, excellent. <laughs> yes. Uh, whether it is uh, communication, you know, um, organizational 
communication, stuff like that. We set up some means to do that. Uh, and some of it's creative. So that when I was going to school for digital media design, even though I spent a decent amount of my time, you know, uh, courting Emily, uh, I did also learn some you stuff actually about did, like focus a little bit on school. I, some of it. Yeah. Good I wasn't you, on MySpace the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, learned some stuff about graphic design and logos and branding and marketing and stuff like that. So I've been working a little bit on those sorts of things and, uh, you know, the Harvest Gate podcast logo is something I, I put together, which is, you know, I shout out to uh, local graphic designer Garrett Martin, who did the logo. Which we have, we are both mutual friends. Yeah, I went to school with Garrett, and he's a, a great guy, and I really enjoyed uh, – we played a lot of hacky sack yeah. while we were there. And yeah. I, I know Garrett uh, from a coffee house. Yet another reason why I – uh, love coffee houses. It's such a great place to meet people. So yeah, absolutely. It's that's one of those fun like, like oh you know it's just funny how everybody knows so somebody. Serendipitous. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think my my hands are in creative stuff. My hands are in technology stuff, communication, those sorts of things. I've been helping with social media for Harvestgate. I'm sure if people have been following stuff on Facebook or Instagram, you might see it says posted by me or something like that. Uh, which I am a total novice at social media, so anyone has tips, send them my way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Greg really only has Facebook for his I, birthdays. He checks it on his birthday only. Yep. Yeah, I get on on my birthday and I say thank you, everybody. So this is a special Facebook-related you know, message for, for anyone I know on Facebook. I do exist outside of my birthday. Thank you for your birthday messages every year. I do look at them <laughs> once a year. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so you've been you've been jumping in head first, uh, helping with social media and um, speaking. This is not necessarily a technical skill that you've learned, but I've just heard this time and time again that you have such a great podcast or radio voice. That uh, man. I like to think that I got that from my dad, who also has, I think, a good voice for that. And he used to work in broadcasting. He did, um, oh gosh, he did a bunch of stuff. He was for a little bit, I think, a basketball uh, arena doing stuff. He also did powerboat races. Like, I think he was even on ESPN for a little bit on stuff like the early days of ESPN. Wow. So um, I've heard stories about all that. And I've heard my entire life since, like, my voice came in deeper uh that i need to get some type of job in radio or you know something like that i'm like well but radio doesn't pay anything <laughs> yeah well maybe maybe this will take off greg and you know. oh who knows and i appreciate all the work you put into this um when you first came to me with the idea of doing a podcast i was a little hesitant um but you and emily have volunteered to produce and you guys have done a great job and i've heard um Apart from content, I have heard that, like, man, like, you guys just do a really good job with the podcast itself. It sounds very professional. And so, um, minus these noises that I'm making. Um, if you so, could just see how professional it looks. Oh, man. It <laughs> it's is. It's really, I'm thankful for the format of podcasts not requiring studio quality lighting or set design or anything like that. Uh, you know, because we're we're in what I would say it feels a little bit like a bunker, my basement. Uh, you know, all sorts of random things set up to 
cushion the sound a little bit to make it sound nice and maybe someday gets on the, social media we should post a picture of we do need a before our humble we'll, beginnings yeah we'll take a before picture and then <laughs> and then wait some time to show it to you uh until we have something nicer to compare it to all right greg so before we log off here um what if anything would you like to say to someone who's listening who has heard um what harvestgate is and maybe Maybe they're on the fence about getting involved. What would you like to say to them? Hmm. Um, it's a good question. I mean, I think I'm in a unique position as as the only non-believer affiliated with the Harvestgate team. I'm quite confident saying that because I know everybody else is. Well, know. and I want to speak to that too. Um, I've had people ask, like, why do you have a non-believer <laughs> on the team? Awkward. Um, yeah, and – Part of the reason is, is one, uh, because Greg is a dear friend of mine and uh, he brings a great deal of value to what is happening here. Um, The other reason is uh, that I believe as a church, we should be doing everything we can to reach people who are not believers or who are kind of the target audience, right? You are the target audience. (laughs) but in and I hope you don't ever feel like a project greg but uh but they also say that the way that your church is planted is how it will look ten years in the future, so if we're a church full of church people to start out with, that means that we're always going to be a church that's just for church people mm. and uh really, the people that our church exists for we exist for one another, of course, and to bring glory to God, but like we really want to to be a model that is uh, of church that is for people who have been hurt by the church or burned by the church or just feel disenfranchised or disconnected from the church uh, who would maybe never walk into a traditional church. So uh, I think that you bring a great deal of value and uh, you will always bring a great deal of value, whether you uh, ever believe the way that I believe or not. So I'll let you get back to what you were saying, but I just want <laughs> yeah. to jump in and say that. I appreciate that. Um, uh, what would I say to someone who's listening, who's, you know, um, has heard about Harvestgate and is maybe on the fence about getting involved? Um, uh, you know, think about all of the uh, all the stuff that's going on in the world that you read about. You know, because it's always the stuff that filters to the top, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or, you know, on cable news. It's it's never anything good uh, except for maybe like one little feel good story. So you don't feel, you know, that that bad taste in your mouth from the, you know, watching the news and it's all negative, negative, negative or something. There's so many things in the world that we could do as people to make things better, to treat others with empathy and compassion and uh, and understanding that it doesn't matter if, you know, perfect example uh, for us, Zach, is we don't have the same exact viewpoints and we don't believe the same things, yet we're perfectly capable of not just getting along, but having a really strong friendship and supporting each other and, you know, connecting our families together. And, uh, you know, why why does that have to be such a foreign concept, you know? Um, and I think these days people are more open to talk about things that they wouldn't have talked about that my parents or my family wouldn't have talked about when I was a kid that we wouldn't dare want to talk about how we feel politically or, you know, religiously or whatever. 
Um, but our differences don't have to define us, and they certainly don't have to be a barrier to us supporting and doing good things for people who need it. So that's, I think, what I'm really invested in with this project is the good things that we want to do in Columbus where people need it. And, you know, I think regardless of what you believe in or whether you feel like you're left or right or blue or red or green or brown or whatever you believe in, you can support the idea of doing good things for people who are in a time of need and supporting them. So That's a great work and yeah, a great word. And uh, I think I've said that before or this before that we believe that that's just kingdom work. Uh, that's maybe the way that we would phrase it, that, that when we get to partner with God what, with what it is that he is already at work doing, man, um, some really great things can happen. Absolutely. But Greg, I, I appreciate you, uh, your openness and your uh, willing to be just an open book for me to poke and prod with questions. And <laughs> and I hope you, the listener, have uh, a little better understanding of who this guy is who's been uh, helping to co-host this this podcast. You would get to know him a little more and maybe uh, that, that this interview would help inform uh, the questions that he asked me and... Uh, just the the dynamic that we have together. Yeah. And uh, so we look forward to, to sharing with you on our next podcast. But it's been fun, Greg. Thanks, Zach. Follow us on social media at Harvestgate Network. There are several ways you can engage with us and support the Harvestgate Network at harvestgate.org. You can subscribe to the Harvestgate podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you're as excited as we are about this project, please consider supporting us by sharing, joining our prayer team, or donating on our website. Thanks for listening to the Harvestgate podcast, connecting faith to families, communities, and marketplaces.